Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Wow, where did the time go? Christmas is only four weeks away. Man, turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. I want to invite you to do a a quick little exercise. If you would just look at your phone or maybe even your watch and just notice the date. Go ahead and notice, what is today's date? Yeah. And no matter where you go in the world, it's the same dating system all over the world. Doesn't matter where you are, you could be in Kazakhstan, and if you use your card to buy something, the time or the date stamp on the receipt is the same dating system everywhere you go. Whether it's a transaction in your bank account or a new world record, everywhere we go, we use the same dating system to record, and it's all in relation to one reference point. What we're about to celebrate in four weeks, it's all in relation to the day that Jesus was born as the reference point. Today, we're beginning our Christmas series entitled Hark. And probably the most uh, popular use of that word is in the song hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king do you know the meaning of the word hark it means to listen or to pay attention and in this song it's saying listen to the angels who are heralding and who are singing Glory to the newborn king. And scripture records four occasions when angels appeared to people heralding or announcing the newborn king. And these angelic experiences happened to Mary and Joseph, and then also to Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, and then also to the shepherds in the field, right? And in this series, we're going to explore uh, God's message to each one of them and also his message to us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence here today. God, I thank you for your love. And Lord, I ask that you would renew our minds by the washing of your word. Lord, would you help us to put off the old and to put on the new? Lord, would you renew our minds? And so, Father, I ask that your spirit would actually be at work in us here today, Lord, revealing what it is that you want to impress upon us. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, may we experience just another step in the journey of walking with you. Holy Spirit, we rely on you to accomplish your work in us here today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text starts in uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. And this is the story of Zechariah. And uh, I'd like us all to stand as we read God's word together. I want to invite you to read with me Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Let's begin. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple... For his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And down to verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. And he motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What an amazing story. What can we learn from the story of Zechariah? As I studied this passage, I was aware of both the positive and the negative messages that are in the story. I considered focusing on the positive, but I know this would be watering down what God has to say. And having said that, this message may feel pointed for some of you. But when you go to a doctor, do you want the doctor to report what will make you feel good? Or do you want him to tell you the truth? The truth. God is the great physician, and his word is truth. Let's see what we can learn from the story of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah and Mary, as you may recall, were both visited by the angel Gabriel, the one who announced the identity and the destiny of their children, both Jesus and John. And both of them asked the very same question. They both asked, how will this happen? How can this be? Now, Mary had the more difficult task of believing because she knew she was a virgin. Nevertheless, Mary accepted the message, and she believed. Zechariah, on the other hand, according to the commentary of the angel, Zechariah asked the very same question, but deep inside, it was more than a question. 
He didn't believe he would actually have a son. He didn't believe. He didn't believe what Gabriel, the angel, said. And if you read between the lines, you can almost hear the tone of voice in Gabriel's response. It's almost as if Gabriel says, you don't believe me? He said, I stand in the presence of God. Capital G-O-D. And he sent me to come and give you this message. And I am here now standing in front of you, visiting from another realm, and I am speaking to you, and you don't believe? He said, that's really sad. (laughs) In fact, that's too bad. Because as a result of you not believing, you will not be able to speak until the child is born. Now, you need to know that discipline from God is never petty or punitive. God's discipline is unto a purpose, and it's out of his love for us. And whenever God disciplines, it's for the purpose of helping us become more like Jesus. And so what is it about Jesus that God is wanting to develop in Zechariah? And what is it about Jesus that God is wanting to develop in us? Well, number one, Jesus trusted his father. Unbelief and doubt are not the way of the kingdom. Unbelief denies God's power. And Zechariah responded to a message from God with unbelief. Now, when God gives a message, the question is not, can he do it? The real question is, will we believe it? You know, the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. Hebrews says they could not enter because of unbelief. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but Mary and Zechariah, they represent all of us. Every week... I meet with people to help them know God, to know his word, and to follow him. And I see two kinds of responses. There is the Mary response, and there is the Zechariah response. And some people hear what the Bible says about life and how we are to live, and they accept it. And God's word to them is life-giving. And they find protection from, in it. And they find freedom in it. And they love it. I hear testimonies all the time of people in this very room about how amazing God is as they're walking in his way and experiencing his word alive and real in their life. There are others who hear what God has to say about their lives and they turn away from his word. They don't want to hear it. They're here, but it's kind of like you're here, but you're not here. You know what I mean? And like Zechariah, they lose their voice. They lose the power to be a witness. They experience frustration and difficulty because they're out of sync with God and his word. And all of this limits their potential. This is the Zechariah response. And in any given situation, both you and I have the potential to be like Mary or Zechariah. We all have that choice. And depending on the situation and how well we're doing with God... We can lean one way or the other. True? In some situations, we believe God, and yet in others, we don't. Right? Fortunately, God is gracious. And when we learn to listen and believe, then he restores us to fellowship with him, and he restores us to joy. Did you see what happened 
when Zechariah got back in sync with God, he wrote on a tablet, and by the way, he wrote on the tablet in agreement with the message from God through the archangel Gabriel. He wrote on the tablet, his name is John. <laughs> and so Zechariah wrote on the tablet, and instantly he was restored. He got his voice back. He gave praise to God, and he became a witness to the whole community. Everybody in the neighborhood was talking about what God had done in the life of Zechariah. They were amazed. The title of this message is Listen and Believe. Listen and Believe. And the message to Zechariah was about how God would intervene in his life. Zechariah had been praying for a son. The angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, and he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. So if I could summarize the message to Zechariah, here it is. God intervenes. Zechariah had a situation. How many of us have a situation. He had been praying for a son, and now he was elderly, and his wife was well advanced in years. She was past the age of childbearing. Zachariah had a situation. How many, of, how many of us have a situation where it feels like the circumstances are beyond our control? Lord, <laughs> if not for you, this situation is not going to change. How many of you know God often shows up when the situation seems impossible? How many of you know God is at work even if we don't know it? Jesus said, my father is always at work and I too am working. John 5, 17. You know, God just didn't create the world and then leave it ticking away like a clock hanging in space. He didn't just create and leave. God is here. And he's involved, and he knows you. He knows your name. He knows your situation. And even though you may not be able to see everything, understand everything, there's a message here for us that God intervenes. God is at work. Whether we know it or not. When I was seven years old, I was living on Guam. And back then... Townhouse used to be on Marine Drive in Aganya, uh, right now where the old Nissan Auto City is. Used to be on that corner, that new intersection where it comes down and joins Marine Drive from Barragata. Used to be Townhouse there. And one day my mom was shopping, and she loves to shop. Bless her heart. She was in there for a long time, and I was waiting in the car. <laughs> and back in those days, we didn't have air conditioning in the car. And so it was a hot afternoon. It must have been the dry season. It was late afternoon. The sun was beaming right in the passenger window there. And I rolled down the window trying to get a breeze. There was no breeze. Like usually there's no breeze in the dry season. And I was perspiring. And so I'm just sitting there with my arm on the window ledge. And out of the blue, this other kid about my age, he walks up to me. I've never met him before. He just kind of came around from the corner of the building 
And without any introduction to me, or didn't say anything, didn't explain anything, he just put both hands on my forearm, and he knelt down and he prayed right there on the side of the car. And he wasn't praying in Chamorro, and it was a language I'd never heard before. And I was just watching this kid, and then I started to look around like, is anybody seeing this? <laughs> Who is this guy? And what is he doing? I'll never forget that moment. I'm sitting in an old Rambler station wagon on a hot summer day on Guam. And this kid comes and he just kneels down and he starts praying in a language I don't understand. And many years later, I forgot all about that. It would be 13 years later that I would come into an encounter with God where he would radically change my life and invite me to be a part of him speaking and working in other people's lives. And I look back on that, and I think to myself, even before I knew anything about God, he was already doing something. I look back at all the situations, dangerous situations I've been in, and I think, man, I should not be here. And there are many spiritual markers in my life where I can look back and think, you know, I think there's something greater than me that's been intervening in my life. And I bet if you look back, you can pinpoint moments in your life where God revealed that he was at work. And you are here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And although we may not see and know everything, God has been intervening. And he is leading you in a journey And it's an exciting adventure. What's the point of the story? Looking back at that experience, you know, with a strange kid praying on my arm, (laughs) God was intervening in my life and I didn't know it. God is at work. And Jesus said, my father's always at work and I too am working. And so point number one is this, God intervenes. Point number two, God does more than we ask or even imagine. Zechariah prayed for a child, and God gave him a whole lot more than what he asked for. God not only gave him a child, God gave him a child who would later announce the arrival of Jesus. He would be a forerunner to the public ministry of Jesus. God gave him a child who would be a forerunner in the the spirit and the power of Elijah. I mean, just think about that for a moment, the stature of who this baby would become. When you think about Elijah and his influence in the nation of Israel and the level at which he operated and to be told that you would have a son who would have that kind of influence is an amazing promise. He had no idea what God was about to do. Not only was God at work in his personal life, uh, God was at work in his career. You know, Zechariah, he was serving in the temple. That was his job. And his job was to be the bridge between God and man. That's the role of a priest. And he had no idea that God was about to launch his role in terms of being that bridge to a whole new level that he had never imagined. Not only did God intervene in his personal life, not only did God intervene in his job, God also intervened in the nation of Israel, 
in the whole country. The people of Israel, they had not received a word from God. I don't know if you know this, but they had not received a word from God for over 400 years. There was a prophetic silence from the closing of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi until the book of Luke and the arrival of Jesus. 400 years, people had not heard from the Lord. They'd not had a fresh word from God. And so Zechariah would be used of God to break a 400-year season of prophetic famine. And then lastly, God intervened in the world. He was using John the Baptist to be a forerunner of Jesus, and Jesus would change the course of the world. That little activity of looking at your watch or looking at your cell phone is just a small example, tiny, minuscule example. And so the point is God does more than we ask think, or even imagine. Whether you know it or not, God is involved in your life. He's involved in your family. He's involved on our island. He's involved in the world. God knows the headlines. He knows about the election. He knows what's happening with you. Things might be tough, but you can be assured God is not detached from your life. Today, I want to encourage you to listen and believe. Because God intervenes, and he's doing more than you can imagine. I want to take this to, I want to turn a corner and talk about what we can take home. How can we apply this? You know, for many years, Zechariah prayed for a son. He was elderly. His wife was past the age of childbearing. But he prayed, and he hoped, and he waited. And I want to ask you, What have you been praying for? What are you hoping for? What have you been waiting on God for? And I'd like you to think about that in your mind. What is it? What have you been praying for? I want you to take a moment just to identify what is your dream? What is that longing in your heart that you've been praying about? What is it? Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And so what is it that's missing? And what is it that if it doesn't happen, you're sad? Because there's something that you know you need to be or you need to do. Have you wanted to continue your education? Are you trusting God for a new job? Maybe a new line of work? Are you wishing you had a child or maybe another child? Is there a hurting or a broken relationship that your wish wish was healed? That there was restoration? Do you have a health concern? And you're asking God to do something. You've been hoping to find a husband or a wife? Is there a pattern in your life that you wish would change? What have you been praying about? What is it? Do you have something in mind? I don't know what it is. But I want you to hold that thought for a moment. Whatever it is that you've been longing for, whatever it is that you've been desiring, 
I want you to hold that thought for a moment as we go back to the first point. If we could put that up on the screen. God intervenes. Now, whatever it is that you've had in mind, I want you to hold it up next to that statement right there. And I want you to just monitor what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And I want to ask you one question. In light of what you're thinking, this this idea we've been trying to identify, what is your dream or your longing, what is your need, in light of that, I want to ask you, do you think God will intervene? Just answer that for yourself in your mind for a moment. Do you think God will intervene? Or not? And how you respond, how you answer that question, will either be like Mary or like Zechariah. But I know it's complicated. Sometimes we can have kind of a mixture of feelings and thoughts inside. Maybe you believe God does intervene, but it's hard to believe that he will intervene for you. I know God can do it. My question is, will he do it? And if he will do it, will he do it for me? Then it gets a little tricky. Sometimes there can be ungodly beliefs that hinder us being able to believe God. There are ungodly beliefs that will hinder us believing that God will actually intervene in our lives. Just give you a couple examples of some of these ideas that pop up in the back of our mind that can hinder us from believing God. There can be beliefs like, I'm not important. Yeah, you know, God's at work, but, you know, that's international affairs that are happening globally. I mean, what does he think about little old me here on Guam in the middle of nowhere? There can be thoughts like that. I'm not important. Or God is mad at me. I know I blew it. I lost my chance. God's mad at me. That's another belief that can pop up in the back of my mind. Or maybe this one. God's not here for me. I know he's omnipresent. I know he's everywhere, but he's not really here for me. <clears throat> can be another one. Another ungodly belief that can pop up in the back of our minds is life is bad. You know what? Things never really work out for me. It just, it just, just, just doesn't happen. The favor's not there. Or, or you know what? You fill in the blank. Whatever it is for you, there are these Thoughts that pop up in the back of our minds and they hinder us from being able to believe God. And what is that thought for you that interferes? What is it that's getting in the way? It's important to identify it. And as you do, do you feel the conflict inside your heart between your life and the Bible? You ever feel that when you read the Bible and then you look at your life and you're like, there's a disconnect there. What do I do with that? I'm here to tell you today, there's hope. And you can get free from that. And you can get to a place where you're one inside rather than divided. And you're able to walk in the freedom of what God's word has to say. Because it's possible to have two opposing beliefs simultaneously. 
On the one hand, you can read the story of Zechariah and you can go, wow, so clear, God intervenes on so many levels. And yet on the other hand, we can go, you know what? I don't know if that applies to me. Is that really for today? And what God wants to do is help you identify what is that thought that is blocking? What is it? Because you can get victory over it. The first step to getting victory over anything is being able to name it. You've got to be able to claim, you've got to be able to label it and know what it is. That's, that's one of the things that God gave us as people. As mankind, God gave Adam the role to name things. And God wants you to step into that role that he gave you. He wants you to be able to name it, say it. What is it? Because once you can name it, once you can say it, that's the first step to getting victory over it, having freedom from it. And so were you able to see those thoughts that pop up and block the word of God? There's a way to get free from it. The first step is to recognize it. And then you need to renounce it. You need to be proactive. We can't be passive and go, you know, I'm kind of like the proverbial goldfish in the fishbowl. You know, my life has always been this way. I'm in water. The goldfish is the only one that doesn't know it's in water. Everybody else looking on the outside can see it, but the fish can't. He just thinks that's his environment. And some of these beliefs that we've lived with all of our life, we just think that's normal. That's the way life is. It never works out for me. I know that. That's the way it is. You know, I want to challenge you. Stop for a moment. Think. Is that consistent with the word of God? Ask yourself, is that normal? Is that the way life has to be, whatever your thought is? I remember I had one of those thoughts. One of those thoughts. And sometimes the lies that the enemy plants in your heart and in your mind are there for a reason. The enemy is strategic. He's very intelligent. And sometimes he will come in and plant a lie to specifically thwart God's destiny for your life. And so here was the lie that I believed all the way until I was probably about 36. The belief was, I'm not listened to. People will not listen to me. And I was sitting with a counselor in a counseling room, and he said, uh, think about that for a moment. Is that really true? And you have to remember, I had grown up with this for 36 years, and I said to him, yeah, of course it's true. That's the way life. I can give you a thousand examples. And he said, well, think about it for a moment. Is it really true? And you know, for the first time in 36 years, I began to second guess my own thinking and said, wait a minute. What about my perception of reality? Is it real or is it a lie? And I want to encourage you when those thoughts pop up that block the word of God and hinder you from being free to walk in his way, ask yourself, is it really real or is it a lie? And compare it to God's word. And so the first thing is to label it. You have to name it. The second thing is we need to renounce it. We have to recognize this is not from God. And we don't have to be passive and just accept it that this is the way life is. You can be proactive. Last week, Armin talked about the power of the spoken word. And you can say, Lord, I recognize this is a lie. This is not true. And I confess it to you, and I renounce it. Lord, I reject it, and I, I resist it, and I say, this has no place in me. 
And Jesus, I take that thought, I take that line, I place it on the cross, and I ask that you render it powerless, break its power, that it no longer has any influence in me. It no longer has authority in my life. It no longer has a place in me. And you gotta, you've got to fight. You know, when God sent the people into the promised land, you know, it sounded really good, right? Land flowing with milk and honey. Woo, let's go. And then they found out, well, wait a minute. There are giants in the land. We've got we to gotta march around Jericho for seven days. And then we've got to go in and we've got to take the city. And you're like, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. You know, and I, I hope you weren't given a message of Christianity when you were younger that it was going to be a bed of roses and God was going to roll out the red carpet. Okay, because there is spiritual battle. But God wants you to enter into the promised land. But don't be like those in Hebrews where they didn't enter because of unbelief. You've got to come in faith and say, God, I recognize this is not from you. I renounce it. I resist it. It has no place in me. And so we need to go through a process of putting off the old and putting on the new. And that's a pattern, that's a scriptural principle that you will find in many places in the Bible. Notably, one of them is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 24, 25, 26. Right in there it says, Put off the old self, which is being corrupted in the lusts of deceit. I know that's kind of old English. We don't really talk that way anymore. But just to explain it a little bit, Notice the, notice the grammar. It is being corrupted. It's an ongoing present tense. It's not something that happened long ago or something that will happen in the future. It's something that's happening now and it is continuing to happen. In other words, the sinful nature is getting worse over time. You ever noticed your thoughts when you were a child compared to your, your thoughts as an adult? Don't we have thoughts that are a lot, a lot worse than when we were younger? You know, that's one of the things we appreciate about children is their innocence. You know, they're just precious that way because they haven't been defiled. But the sinful nature is being corrupted in the lusts of deceit and it's getting worse over time. And Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, put off the old nature. And he says, put on the new nature by being renewed in the transforming of your mind. And put on the new nature which is being made in the likeness of Christ. And so... This is a principle found in many places in the Bible, Ephesians, Colossians, and other places. And I want to encourage us to practice that on a daily basis, to put off the old and to put on the new. And it's not this mysterious thing like, well, what is that, Lord? But you can identify specific thoughts that are old. They don't belong there. And put them off and say, Lord, would you renew my mind, transform my thinking, and replace it with the truth? And so I want us to take a moment, if you would, just close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want to invite you to take some time alone with God to let him do a work in you today. And if you've been able to identify what is that dream and that desire that you have in your heart, and what is that other thought that pops up and says, no, you'll never do that, it'll never happen. And I want you to compare that to what God's word says in the story of Zechariah, that God intervenes and he is able to do more than you ask, think, or imagine. And if it doesn't square with the word of God, then it needs to go. And you need to do, be able to identify what it is. What is that thought that is not from God? And so if you would do that for a moment, just take some time 
I want you to do some business with God and just be in his presence. Let your mind and your heart connect with him. For some of you, you're ready to pray through this. For others, God's still putting pieces of the puzzle together, and that's okay. Today is just another step in the process. We'll let it be that. But for those who are ready, if you've been able to identify, what is it, Lord, that you want me to be or do? And what is it that's hindering me? What is that belief? It could be a belief, I'll never change. I'm not good enough. Whatever it is, I want you to identify that. And if you would, take a moment just to confess that to the Lord and say, God, I recognize this is not from you. It's not from your word. It's not in the way of your kingdom. And Lord, today I'm making a decision. I'm putting a spiritual stake in the ground and I'm saying no. No more. And then invite the Lord to deliver you and to be your Savior. God, say, God, you take this thought. Place it on the cross like you did with all the other sin that you died for to render it powerless and to break its power so that it no longer has any place in me. And just in your mind's eye, imagine Jesus doing that for you. This is not positive thinking. This is not something you can do on your own. This is something Jesus has to do for you. And so by faith, ask him to do that. Trust him that actually he has done it. He has been waiting for you to come into this moment where you would enter into the fullness of what he has for you. It's for you today. And so imagine Jesus dying on the cross and he came to break the power of sin, including this specific one you've identified. And he came to set you free. And I want you to receive that great exchange of your old life for his new life. Receive it by faith. The same way that you received Jesus the very first time, it was by faith. It was through grace, by faith. You didn't earn it. It's a free gift. Free to us. Cost him everything. But he came to accomplish this for you. And he wants you to receive it by faith. The great exchange. And so as you bring that old way of life to death, I want you to focus, I want you to turn a corner and come to the resurrection side of what Jesus did. And say, Lord, would you replace that old thinking with truth? And I want you to take a moment just to listen and say, God, what is the truth about my situation. And let the Lord speak to you about yourself or about your future. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come now and speak to your people. Lord, I pray that you would reveal Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in my heart. Father, I receive what you're showing me. I accept it. I want to be like Mary to believe it. Lord, I choose to believe it. And Lord, I ask that you would establish it firm, deep in my heart as a foundation, that it becomes a part of who I am and what I do. Lord, we rely on you. Thank you, Father. Lord, now I ask by your Holy Spirit that you would seal the work that you're doing. And Father, I ask that you would complete it and that you would bring it to pass what you have shown to your sons and your daughters. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to address another group here in the room today. While I'm doing that, I want to invite the worship team to come on up. But as you've been listening, listening to me talk about the kingdom of God, as you've been listening to me talk about experiencing him, there may be some of you here in the room today where that's something that you want. And if you've never made a conscious choice to invite God into your life, if you've never made a formal decision to say, God, I want to open up my life to you and I want you to come in so I can experience you, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. The way it'll work is I'm simply going to pray out loud and I invite you to hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. We're simply going to express your desire to experience God. You want to encounter him. And if that describes you, okay, let's pray. God, I'm sitting here today and Lord, I'm wanting you. Lord, I want to experience you. And so I'm making it a choice today to open up. God, I ask that you would come into my life. And I ask that you would show yourself to me. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me for all the things that I've done, Lord, that were hurtful in relationships to me, to others, to my relationship with you. And Lord, I thank you for Jesus and what he did to forgive me. And I accept his work on the cross today. And I accept Jesus. And I invite the spirit of Christ to come into my heart. And I ask that you would forgive me for everything that I've done. And I ask that you would cleanse me from the guilt and the accusation and the self-condemnation. God, just remove all those dark feelings. And if you're praying this prayer right now, I want to invite you just to receive his forgiveness. It's real. And he's here. And he wants to give it to you. And so just receive it by faith. Trust God that he loves you. And he forgives you. And just receive it. Say, Lord you forgave me, I choose to forgive myself. I let it go. I let go of the past. And God, I ask that you would show yourself to me, that you would reveal yourself to me. 
And God, I ask that you would make me the kind of person you want me to be. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.